Uh, this morning, we're concluding our series on the kingdom of God. Uh, kingdom of God was a primary teaching of Jesus. Uh, sometimes Jesus called it the kingdom of heaven. Uh, but Jesus mentions the kingdom 50 times, over 50 times in the Gospels. And many of his parables are about the kingdom. For Jesus, the kingdom was not far away for some future time. According to Jesus, the kingdom is near or the kingdom is at hand. It is here, it is now. And we hope that this series causes us to view what happens in our lives, both the good and the bad, through the lens of the kingdom. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 13. Um, Jesus begins many of his parables with the kingdom of heaven is like this, or the kingdom of heaven is like that. The kingdom of heaven, it's God's kingdom. It is what God rules over. And so when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, and then tells a parable, what Jesus is saying is that this is what it looks like when God is at work. The kingdom of heaven, this is what it looks like when God is at work. Uh, for the first time in eight weeks, we have a scripture reader. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, we've asked Marvin Barnes to read scripture this morning. And so Marvin, I'm going to ask you to please make your way to the podium. If you are able, whether you're in the room or at home, please stand for the reading of God's word. We read from the center of the room to remind us that scripture is to be central in our lives. And we stand because we believe this is the word of God. And so Marvin, whenever you're ready, please read Matthew 13 verses 31 through 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, Yet when it grows, it's the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Thank you very much. You may be seated. The kingdom of heaven, this is what it looks like when God is at work. And so what does it look like when God is at work? At any workplace, I don't know what your workplace look like, what, how many coworkers you have, what your interactions with your coworkers look like, but at any workplace, um, there are different kinds of workers. Uh, just think about the people that you work with um, and maybe even see if you can identify uh, what kind of worker you are from the options I'm going to give you here. Uh, you have your overachievers. They're great workers because they go the extra mile. Uh, you have your know-it-alls. They seem to be experts on everything, and they're happy to give advice to you about it. Um, you have the office gossip, which like to uh, tell stories about coworkers, usually. Um, you have the talker. They are great for maybe office parties or staff parties, but they're not always the most efficient worker. Um, you have the lazy one who are gifted at doing as little as possible. Uh, you have the clown who, whether they're funny or not, they think they're funny, okay? Um, you have the chillaxed worker who never gets rattled by anything. They're actually great to have in times of crisis. Uh, you have your stable performers. They may not be overachievers, but they get the job 
done. Um, and then you have the ideas person. They always have a new idea about something. They're your innovators. Um, it's easy to identify different kinds of workers. Uh, if you're on, watching us on Facebook and you're in the chat, um, go ahead and identify what kind of worker you are. And again, if you're more the clown or the talker, be honest, but just identify who you are in the chat there. What kind of worker is God? What does it look like when God is at work? According to this parable that we just read of the mustard seed and yeast, this is what the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, looks like. And so this is what it looks like when God is at work. You see, first of all, the kingdom, the kingdom seems insignificant at first. The kingdom seems insignificant at first. You know, the mustard seed in the parable, Jesus says, it's the smallest of all seeds and yeast. You know, it's just a little bit that goes in the dough. Neither of these two things seem like much at first. And when God is at work, it is easy to overlook. You know, think about the Christian faith. It started in a region of Israel called Galilee. And during the time of Jesus, Galilee was the Hicksville of Israel. Okay, Galilee was in the northern part of the country, but it was in the south where all the activity was, in the region of Judea, in the city of Jerusalem, that's where the action was. That's where the temple was. That's where the priesthood was. Uh, that's where the ruling class lived. And in Galilee, nothing much happened in Galilee. And then on top of all that, Israel was inconsequential in the Roman Empire. You had great cities in that empire, like Rome and Alexandria and Ephesus and Athens magnificent places, places you can still go and see their ruins. Israel and Jerusalem, they were non-players. In fact, the Jewish faith seemed backwards to the Romans. Now, the Israelites, they had a reputation for rebelling against the Romans, but they really were not big players in the empire. Jesus's ministry begins in the Hicksville part of a minor territory of the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago. That was where the kingdom of God is near, was declared. And at that time, at the time, no one of any importance was paying any attention. Even as individuals, think about how faith starts in us. It starts so small. For some of us, faith begins as children. But how seriously do most of us take the faith of a child? Not as seriously as we should, that's for sure. They're just children. They have so much growing up to do. And for others of us, faith begins more as when we're adults. And maybe it starts with something as simple as we go to church, or maybe we read the Bible a little bit, or maybe we start to pray a little bit. Uh, maybe we become friends with someone who's a follower of Jesus. You know, while we love the big and dramatic conversion stories, most of the time, the large majority of the time, faith in us begins quietly. You know, even the Bible, the Bible sets the bar pretty low. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, if you declare with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So basically what that says is if you say Jesus is Lord and believe 
that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That doesn't sound that hard. It doesn't sound like much. Where's the sacrifice? Where's the commitment? Declare and believe. It just doesn't seem like that much. When God is at work, it doesn't seem that significant at first. You see, the kingdom is not in a hurry. Going back to the parable of mustard seed and yeast, you know, it takes time for a little tiny mustard seed to become a mustard tree. It takes time for yeast to work its way through the dough. Uh, the video that played right before the message of the dough slowly rising. At what point of the video did you think, how long is this thing gonna go on? We get the point, okay? Did you find yourself getting impatient with the video? You know, and that video was on a time lapse. It was going much slower. That dough was rising much, much slower in reality than what the video showed. When God is at work, he is not in a rush, which is very different from us. For us, efficiency is everything. You know, the shutdown has slowed down or stopped many of us, and we're tired of it. And I've, now, I have talked to some people who actually have become busier during the shutdown because of all the adjustments they've had to make at their work, and now they have kids at home, you know, doing spontaneous homeschooling, and they find themselves busier than ever. But which is harder for us? Things that make us busier or things that make us slow down? If you're at the store and you have a list of things you have to get to the store, would you rather get a call from home asking you to get twice as many things that you already have on your list? Or would you prefer to get stuck in the slowest checkout line that takes twice as long as is reasonably as it should, okay? Most of us would choose the busier option, not the slower option. We prefer to be busy. We like to be in a hurry. We like getting things done. But God has his own timeline for getting things done. It's much different than ours. In fact, the Bible addresses this in 2 Peter, Peter chapter 3. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We want God to come and fix everything and fix everything right now. And make no mistake, the kingdom of God, as Jesus said, is at hand. But the kingdom is not a flash in the pan. God is not about putting on a show. God accomplishes what he sets out to accomplish. And it doesn't matter to God how long it takes. Today, there are over 2 billion people in the world who claim to be followers of Jesus. That didn't happen overnight. The Christian faith has been building for 2,000 years. And in your own life, think about it. God didn't transform you in a day. But when you look back and reflect upon your life, you can see how God has been at work in you. And if you think about it, if you really think about it, he has been at work in you 
since before you were born. When God is at work, he is not in a hurry. And the kingdom, the kingdom is pervasive. You know, the mustard tree and yeast, they are really odd choices to be used to compare to the kingdom of God. Jesus says the mustard tree becomes the largest of the garden plants. And let me just tell you something, that is not a good thing. The mustard tree becoming the largest of the garden plants is a bad thing because the mustard tree is a weed. It's a weed. It's a weed that you do not want in your garden. It's the kind of weed that's impossible to get rid of. And it can grow, mustard trees can grow almost anywhere. Uh, here's a picture of a mustard tree. Go ahead and put it up on the screen. Okay, that's a mustard tree. And I just want you to look at the surroundings. This is not a garden. There is concrete wall to the right. That is gravel. That tree is literally growing in gravel next to a busy road. Nothing else is growing in that gravel, but the mustard tree is thriving. Look at it. Imagine what that would do in good soil. It would easily take over your garden. And once this weed gets into your garden, it is almost impossible to get rid of. A weed, it's an odd thing to compare to the kingdom of God. And yeast. In the Bible, yeast is always used as a sign of evil. In 1 Corinthians 5, Paul uses yeast as a metaphor for evil. In the Old Testament, all the time, when the Jews wanted to celebrate certain festivals, it required them to celebrate with something called unleavened bread, bread without yeast. The major event in the Old Testament was the Exodus. And when God commanded the Israelites to celebrate the Exodus, to remember it, which they did every year and continue to do so to this day, one of the things that they were to eat was unleavened bread, bread without yeast. In fact, another name for the Passover feast is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Yeast was to be avoided. It was a symbol for evil. So why compare the kingdom to a weed and an evil symbol? Pastor John last week talked about the messiness of the kingdom, which is good news for us because our lives are messy. Our world is a mess. But the mustard tree and yeast, these two things are pervasive. They take over. You see, we often focus on how pervasive evil is in the world. We see it everywhere. We see it in our lives. It is so pervasive. And we wonder when God will just come and take it all away, but God doesn't come and take it all away. In fact, God does some of his best work in the messiness God doesn't need evil to go away for his kingdom to work. God's kingdom will go anywhere where there is evil. And if evil is pervasive, what Jesus is saying in this parable is the kingdom of God is even more pervasive. God is at work in every situation, in every situation in the world. 
both the good and the bad. And God is at work in every situation in your life. Every situation in your life, God is at work, both the good and the bad. Yeast works its way through the whole dough. Mustard tree, it can grow anywhere. The clock is ticking on evil. The kingdom of God is pervasive. You cannot escape it. And the kingdom is relentless. Uh, I am not a fan that the coronavirus has shut down sports. That is not a good thing for me. Uh, the NBA playoffs should be going on. Baseball should be in full swing. Uh, NFL mini camps uh, should be starting soon. I didn't even get to watch the Masters golf tournament this year. I'm having sports withdrawals. It's very hard for me, okay? Um, and so when the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, aired on ESPN, anyone else here watching it? Raise your hand, The Last Dance. Okay, there's like five of you, okay? It's great, you should watch. Okay, on ESPN, when that came out, I was all in. There are 10 episodes. And so if you are a sports junkie having withdrawals, it's like a fountain of chocolate at a Weight Watchers conference. It is great. <laughs> the documentary gives amazing insights, amazing behind the scenes insights into Michael Jordan's career in the 80s and 90s. And what is fascinating is how relentless Michael Jordan was. He wanted to win at all costs. So he practiced harder than everybody else, but he did so much more than that. He wrote his teammates to be better. He would use any kind of personal slight from another player or coach to give him extra motivation in any game. He would target key players on the other team and make sure a certain player didn't have a good game. They may lose the game, but he's like, that player is not gonna have a good game. And he was not fun to be around as a teammate but he was relentless and nothing was gonna keep him from winning if he could help it. And he wasn't nice about it. Now, when I think of God, I just assume that God is nice, that God is polite, that God has good manners. But what's interesting is the Bible doesn't say God is nice. The Bible says God is love. 1 John 4, 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Bible doesn't say God is nice. Bible says God is love. And when you love someone, when you're all in, you are relentless. You want, to, you want what's best for that person. You will sacrifice for that person and you will do whatever you can for that person and sometimes you won't be nice about it. You know, I was once assistant coaching uh, one, my son's City Rec baseball team one year and a parent of another kid on the team came up to me and he was upset about his kid's playing time. It was like the second game of the season, for goodness sake. And now this parent was out of line and he made me pretty mad. But over the years, I've thought about it. He was simply being relentless for his kid because he loved his kid. And sometimes love isn't nice. It's relentless. And God is relentless. God is relentless about communities of faith, 
Throughout history, the church has been persecuted and God will literally use that persecution to cause the church to grow. He's relentless that way. And throughout history, the church has done some really bad things where the church has been the one doing the persecuting. And so God cleanses it to make it better because he won't have any of that. But he doesn't give up on it. Communities of faith, like TFRC, is how God wants to further his kingdom. And he is relentless about communities of faith like ours. And God is relentless in pursuing you. He is at work in your relationships. He is at work in your career. He is at work in what you do when no one is looking. He is at work in your hobbies. He's at work when you go out. He's at work when you stay home. And there are times that you won't want to have anything to do with God. And you know what? That isn't going to stop God from working in your life. He is going to keep working in you and keep working in you and keep working in you. And it won't always be fun. And you won't always like it. And you may, there'll be times where you reject what God is doing in your life. And you know something? God is going to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it because he loves you. And he will not stop until he has completed what he wants to complete. God is relentless. So if you think you've done something that has made God quit on you, think again. He's got unlimited resources. He doesn't get tired. And he will keep at it and keep at it and keep at it. And that is good news. Because God doesn't give up on us. He's relentless. And it's up to each and every one of us. How will we respond to the love of God? Even when we don't like it. The kingdom of God is at hand. It is a kingdom different from anything the world has to offer. It is a kingdom that works in the messiness of our lives. It is a kingdom that will continue to grow in each of us and throughout the world. And when we view our lives through the lens of the kingdom, it changes how we interpret the events of our lives. It changes our attitude towards challenges that come our way, towards disappointments that come our way. It will cause us to reevaluate what we value. It'll make us see that maybe some of the things that we, are good, that we think are good aren't good. And maybe it'll make us think that some of the things that we think are bad aren't bad. How much do you trust in the kingdom of God? And how much allegiance do we have to it? Please pray with me. And Lord, we thank you for your love. And we thank you for how, uh, Lord, you're at work at us, even when it doesn't seem like you're doing much. For, Lord, that um, you're not in a hurry with us. Lord, but we just thank you for how you never, ever give up on us. Lord, give us eyes to see your kingdom everywhere we go. Lord, help us see it. And, Lord, soften our hearts 
and help each and every one of us pledge a greater allegiance to it. Lord, give us some of your spirit of just being relentless for you, just as you are relentless for us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.